your breath in these lungs I don't have a single song I am lost if I don't have you Without your word on my lips There is nothing I can give I am lost if I don't have you
time. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come down. Oh, I need you now in everything. I need your anointing. Fill me, move in your power like week was like this last week, but I want to invite you to join us today in just relaxing in the presence of God, resting in the knowledge that He is good and He's in charge. If anything today is holding you back from Him, I invite you to release it. We've got a team of people up front who would love to pray with you. If there's anything on your heart that you just want to bring up to our Heavenly Father, they'd love to do that with you. Feel free to come on up front and just say, would you pray for me? You don't even have to tell them any details. They just begin to pray with you. Would you stand with us? Be still. Oh, 
Good morning and welcome to the experiment. This is Lafayette Community Church and we are trying to figure out this weird coronavirus thing like everybody else. But you know, we like to try to do our own thing. There are a lot of times right now where we're not exactly sure what to do. Late night talk show hosts are going all casual and uh, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's working too well. And then churches for the very first time are trying to figure out how to do video. You might have to redo that when I looked at the camera. Okay. Recording. Try it one more time. But here at Lafayette Community Church, we're going full on TV. I just wanted to remind you why we're doing this and what it's all about. See, it's our goal during this time of coronavirus, isolation, lockdown, quarantine, whatever it is you want to call it, that we engage people's attention as much as we possibly can because we believe God has a message for you. And so we're just trying to get your attention. But not just you, the people that you know, the people that you have in your life. Last week, someone told me that they've been sharing our weekly events with their friends. And there's a lady who, in fact, wants to get baptized as a result of what she's been experiencing through our little experiment here. And so everything we're doing is we're taking the message of God and we're compartmentalizing it into small little bits that are shareable for you. Today we're going to have some music, we're going to have some learning from God's Word, and we're also going to have some fun as well. Because as a church, we are all about empowering you to live the life God made you for. We want to do that for you, we want to do that for the people in your life. And so today, at the end of our time especially, be sure that you go onto our YouTube channel and you share the bits of this morning's experience that were most helpful to you. So let me give you a few announcements for how things are going these days. Number one, Facebook. We're using Facebook as a replacement for our time of gathering on Sunday mornings. We've got a lot of people who are encountering each other on Facebook, especially through our LCC general discussion group. If you're not connected to our Facebook group, I highly encourage you to do so. The easiest way for you to do that is to download our app from the app stores, Lafayette Community Church, and then tap the Facebook group from the menu. Or you could go to Facebook and search for Lafayette Community Church, connect with one of us there, and we'll be able to get you plugged into our group. The second thing is right after our time this morning, we are going to, at 11.15, have a Zoom chat follow-up call with me. We're going to spend some time just interacting with each other a little bit, following up with today's message, and praying for each other. Also, number three, our Kidopolis live session will be happening today. That's at 11.30. I want to encourage you and your family to be ready around the television and whatever screen you have so that you can engage with our Kidopolis experience today. On Tuesday night, our Made for More class is going to continue at 6.30, again by Zoom. All of the links and the information for that will be available on our website. I'll post the announcement on Tuesday afternoon to our website and our Facebook channels as well. On Thursday, we're going to have something fun. Don't know what it is, but we're going to have something fun. And then every single day this week, I'll be posting a daily video to our YouTube and Facebook channels to help you encounter God one more way this week. So... With all of that said, I want to encourage you to be part of what we're doing during the week. And then for today, let's get on with the experiment. Good morning, church. It's This Week Today. Recorded at Lafayette Community Church at 2301 Concord in beautiful Lafayette, Indiana. This week, we'll be hearing from special guest Amanda Schoolcraft.
Plus, we'll have music recorded individually in the homes of our worship team. And now, here's your host, Jeff Michaels. Welcome to This Week Today. This Week Today is all about tackling an issue of today from an eternal perspective so that it makes a difference for this week. We want to make sure that this week can be the best week you can possibly have. And we believe God has that in mind for you. So we're dealing with an issue today for this week. Our issue today is anxiety. But before we get into anxiety, maybe you're a little worried already. Before we get into anxiety, we're going to spend a little time in worship. We've got some music that we're going to be doing during our time together today. And I want to encourage you, if you're at home, wherever you are, I want to encourage you to join us in this. The first song that we're going to be doing today is actually one of the videos we used on Easter Sunday. It's my favorite video that we have ever produced as as a church. And I want to encourage you to just watch this, sing along with it, receive the words, receive the music, and allow your heart to be lifted up as we remember that Jesus has conquered death. And that's why we can have life. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope with no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so Washes over me You have made me new Now life begins with you It's your endless love Pouring down on us You have made us new I'm a prisoner no more My shame was a ransom He faithfully won He canceled my debt And he called me his friend When death was arrested
Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom. just love that. The thing I love the most about it is that you made it happen. With all those videos from the different people in our church, it just encourages me every time I watch that to realize that we are all in this together. We are a family together. And it just encourages me so much. Listen, I hope that you're feeling encouraged, but today I want to give you a little bit to help you feel encouraged. We're going to spend some time, hopefully, laughing. Wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to be doing church? (laughs) Yes, so I'm going to share with you some TikTok videos. Last week I shared some TikTok videos that were on my favorites list. And um, someone told me that they wanted more. So here we go. I've got a few for you today. All of these ones have made me laugh out loud. And my family has had to ask me, what are you laughing at? And I've had to admit a TikTok video. So here you go. I hope you enjoy. Uh, we need to talk. About what? You know. I don't know. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, no, you know. I don't know. Really? Yep. Hey, look at me. Okay. You know what you did. Nope. Okay, then why do you look so guilty? Do I? Yes. Yes, you do. Patrick, are those gummy bears? Yeah, dude. Alright, if you catch this in your mouth, you can have the whole bag. Bet. Oh, thanks, bro. It is the sleepy time. It is the time for the sleep. You take head, you put on pillow, and then sleep. If you cannot sleep, may I suggest the warm milk? You can sleep like baby. (laughs) Okay, 
So here's the deal with that last one. I'm going to play it again. In fact, I'm, I'm going to play it just a few times in a row here on loop because I don't know about you, but sometimes when a thing happens more than once, it just gets me more and more each time. So here you go. Watch this again. It is the sleepy time. It is the time for the sleep. You take head, you put on pillow, and then sleep. If you cannot sleep, may I suggest the warm milk? You can sleep like baby. It is the sleepy time. It is the time for the sleep. You take head, you put on pillow, and then sleep. If you cannot sleep, may I suggest the warm milk? You can sleep like baby. You take head, you put on pillow, and then sleep. You take head, you put on pillow, and then sleep. If you cannot sleep, may I suggest the warm milk? You can sleep like baby. <laughs> so, I, I hope that put a smile on your face. I hope you don't um, judge me too harshly for that. Um, but anyway, I wanted to take you to a Bible passage before we move on, because I think this is so important. It's in First Chronicles. And a lot of times we don't look at First Chronicles, especially when we're trying to find something encouraging and uplifting to read. But in First Chronicles, in chapter 16, verse 23, we read something amazing. So let me just set it up for you. They've just brought the Ark of the Covenant of God back into the city of Jerusalem, and they are all very happy. Listen to these words. It says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among the peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are in His dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. And then, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. This is the same passage where at the end, verse 34, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. I think as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, the one who rose from the dead, we should be the happiest people on the planet. And if that means sometimes we have to laugh at a TikTok video just to put a smile on our faces, then go for it. Because God made those people in the video just like He made you. So anyway, yes, I am using the need for joy to justify my burgeoning TikTok addiction. But maybe that's not enough for you, and so let's move on. What I'd like for us to do today is spend a little time encountering how God has been ministering to someone in our congregation, and to spend a little bit of time addressing the fact that God can work in even difficult circumstances, and that God is good even when we are stressed out. I hope this interview encourages you. So, uh, For everybody's benefit, I do want you to share um, your own personal how you're doing with the whole coronavirus lockdown quarantine kind of stuff. 
So like emotionally, mentally, spiritually, how are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. I think uh, there are ups and downs all the time. Um, And then I think those ups and downs may be a little bit more severe right now while things are so unsure. Um, I think in general, I've been really blessed with how stable my life has maintained uh, the stability that I've been able to keep. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely have, have periods of the feeling that isolation kind of pressing in. Um, you know, even when I do have human interaction, it's frequently through a screen or it's with, you know, the same very small set of people. Um, um, and that is hard. Uh, I'm definitely an introvert, so it took a while for it to get hard, but it did happen and we are there. So <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are feeling that because, you know, you've got this dual emotion where it's like, mm-hmm. uh, I've got some good things going on that I'm really grateful for, but right. at the same time, <laughs> I really want life to get back to normal. Yeah. And I think, I think the longer this goes on, the more I realize I don't really want it to go back to something. Um, I think there were things about the way I was managing my time or living my life or things I thought were important before that definitely aren't. And it will be okay if I don't pick them back up again or if I pick them back up differently. Um, but I don't want it to be this forever. Uh, this isn't great. <laughs> um, but I, 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 like I said, the longer it goes on, the more it feels like a, like a tunnel rather than a pit. Um, so there's something else on the other side of this that I am moving toward instead of just feeling really stuck. Um, which at the beginning was definitely the way it felt was just this horrible quagmire of, you know, what are we going to do from here? You said that you don't want life to go back to normal. Have you figured out, have you figured (laughs) out what those, what those changes are now that you're, you're hoping kind of persist or are there lessons that you're learning in all this? Yeah, I'm not, I don't think I have it all figured out by a long stretch, but um, something that's been cool that's blossomed out of this is the intentionality of human connection. Like before, I think, we, like I am an introvert, but it took a long time to realize that because I'm pretty outgoing in a lot of circumstances. So I do like people and I like being around people. And I realized that a lot of times before my like people tank would get filled with like really minor interactions with the cashier at the store or a brief conversation with the coworker at work or things like that. And then I would be able to come home at the end of the day and just cocoon and like not need or want to interact with anybody else. And now if I want to have any contact, I have to seek it out. And it's made me learn who's available for that and who, who wants it. And I have just so many people in my life that, um, want to talk to me and like, I should do a better job of making that happen all the time. Like I have spent more time on the phone with like high school friends the past few weeks than I they ever have, you know, like these, these are people that I love and care about. And usually it's just like, you know, a passing connection. And now I'm just like, okay, who haven't I talked to recently that I could bother because I've been bothering, you know, a lot of people. Um, and I've realized my well is very deep of, of people that, that want to spend time and that are happy to spend time with, with me. So it's just been cool to be, to be limited and to have to be intentional. Interesting. Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about anxiety. What's been your personal journey? When you hear the word, what does it say to you? Um, it's like a, it, for me, it can be like a, just a baseline state of worry. Like it's not always crippling, but it's just like there of just these things are taking up space in my head and I'm not able to let them go. And they can be good things or bad things. Um, I get anxious when 
something good is coming or when something bad is coming or when I don't know what's coming, which is like basically means I'm anxious all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's just, it's just a, a constant state of like low level panic or worry. <laughs> <laughs> a constant state of low level panic. Um, that's, that's a good definition. I might just use that. <laughs> Constant state of low-level panic. So then, and you can mitigate it. You know, you can make it to be less constant, but it, it's kind of just always there. <laughs> are there times in your life when it's more or less? Like, are there triggers, things that cause your anxiety to go up, or how does that work for you? So I have the added fun of not just having an anxiety diagnosis, but also having a bipolar disorder diagnosis. So those things kind of play with each other hand in hand. Um, and make it just like a soup in there sometimes. Um, so, so yeah, so any change is hard. Um, and I'm getting better about change being hard. Can you sense when that anxiety is rising? Like, are you being, are you able to get the sensitivity so that you can notice it? Like when it's down here at the lower level? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, like I often, it happens when I like hear myself say something that's just objectively crazy. Or like, <laughs> um, or like that I would never really mean. And it's not always, that's why uh, having people to talk to is so important to me because I'm a really external processor. So I, I have a counselor that I see, you know, every two weeks and she's fabulous. Um, but then also just talking to friends and talking to people in between and people that I trust so that if I do say that, you know, crazy thing, I can, you know, dial that back. Um, but usually like, like two or three seconds after I say something that's like, whoa, I don't mean that. And then I can like, you know, sanity brain can come back for a minute and be like, where am I? How did I, how did I get to this point of panic? And then like walk it back to a, a more reasonable state. <laughs> so you're saying sometimes you don't even know that you're panicked until after you hear your own words? Yes, frequently. Yeah. Um, so how do you manage it? How do, how do you deal with it when, you've, when you realize that you're kind of in a moment of anxiety? How do you, how do you, what's your um, coping mechanism? Um... Well, the good coping mechanism that I use sometimes um, is to hand that to God. And I, I, I am getting better at doing that more. Um, but honestly, like that does not happen every time. I'm not going like, to sit here and pretend that it does. Um, so more often, <laughs> um, I, I make a joke of it. Like I said, like I, I just I try to package it in a way that my brain can process um, where I don't get mad at myself for it because that's something that can make it spiral worse. I'm always amazed that it seems like everybody has a very similar story when it comes to anxiety, that you start feeling the anxiety and then you blame yourself for feeling the uh -huh. anxiety. And yep. then you get worried about how long the anxiety feeling is going to yep. last. And then you're anxious <laughs> about the anxiety. Yep. And then you, you feel, you feel silly or you feel dumb or weak or whatever. Um, yeah. So kind of to close out the time a little bit, um, give me, give me kind of an example from your perspective of what it means when you, when you successfully hand it over to God, what, what yeah. does that actually mean? Um, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Like, um, with the bigger, bigger anxiety takes more intentional time to do that. Um, sometimes I literally do go shut myself in my closet. I have a, an empty closet in my room that is for like, specifically meeting God for things. Um, but other times it can be just as I'm existing. Um, and so instead of, you know, packaging it as a joke, I package it as a thing that's not mine. Like, it's like, okay, yep, I can't do anything about that. You know, if I, if I make myself sit and stew in it, um, 
alone in that closet by myself in the dark um, where I can't be distracted by other things and let it become that baseline anxiety in the background again where like no like we're gonna we're gonna stay in this until my brain realizes I can't fix it uh, <laughs> and then I'll be able to to successfully hand it to God. Um, instead, I turn it into just a thing that I don't have to deal with. Like it's it's not my thing; it is God's thing. So it's still like a packaging and a separation. Um, but it's it, the jokes still linger, you know, like that, that's still there, and it's still this thing that I make fun of myself for. Um, so it's still me, or it's still on me. Um, but when I hand it to God as a thing that, like, hey, I can't do anything with this, but God can, and so it's on His plate now. Um, that is the most healthy way to handle it. <laughs> anyway, Amanda, that was perfect. Thank you so much for being willing to share. Um, I'll let you get back to the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me.
pray with me? Father, we just ask that you would be with us here in this place, wherever we are, at this time, whenever it is, that you would just be with us, helping us to trust you more and more. Lord, we're faced with difficult circumstances, not just because of the situation going on in our world today, but the situation that goes on every day. Every day we face a new challenge, a new difficulty, a new pain, perhaps. And so, Lord, I just pray today that you would give us the perspective that we need to put you first. Lord, I pray that you would guard the words that I speak and the thoughts in all of our hearts, that what happens here in this moment brings you honor and glory and leads us closer to yourself. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's time for us to deal with our main topic. Earlier, we read that passage, Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. I don't know about you, but maybe your world doesn't feel firmly established these days. Maybe your world feels like it is moving all the time. Maybe being in your house, putting up with your family or your children or whatever it is, has been stressing you out enough that it feels like every single day a new rug is being pulled out from under you. I'm not sure exactly what it is for you, but that's why we're here today. Our main topic is anxiety. Anxiety. 
I want to tell you a little bit of a story of my own personal experience with anxiety. Now today, we're going to be talking about anxiety. And of course, anxiety is a clinical word, but it's also an emotional word. And so I'm not going to get into all the details of the dividing line between what is clinical anxiety and what is emotional anxiety, nor do I think it's important for us to worry about the clinical dividing line. I'm just going to tell you a little bit of my personal experience. Last week, I wanted an HDMI cable because I'm redoing my office and I wanted to put up a television in my office, not to watch stuff, but a TV behind me that I could actually use as a display for prompting when I'm recording videos or a display as a backdrop for recording videos. Listen, I've got my excuses for buying a TV. Don't judge me. Anyway, I went to Walmart to get a new HDMI cable because my app told me they had one in stock. It was 25 feet long. It would have been great, perfect. It's exactly what I needed. My app told me they had one in stock. So I jumped in the car. I grabbed a mask before then. My wife has made us some masks. And so I went to Walmart. And there I am in the parking lot, pulling into my parking spot. And no one is wearing a mask. No one is wearing a mask. And I'm there, I pull in, I get out of my car wearing a mask, and I'm wondering, what's happening here? I was feeling a little bit nervous already because putting the mask on while I was sitting in the car was a weird experience, first of all. Getting out of the car wearing a mask was a weird experience. Walking into Walmart wearing a mask was a weird experience. And it turns out I walked into the wrong door. And so there was a lady standing there at the door telling me, oh no, you gotta go into the other entrance. And so I had to walk down this little uh, line of yellow caution tape and around that and then come back in so I was getting into the right door. Well, by the time I made it to the Walmart door, I had my mask fixed and it was all tied around my face, a nice cool black and white one so I didn't look all froofy. But anyway, so I'm walking into the store and I decide I'm not going to be distracted by anything. I'm going straight back to the electronics section. I'm going straight to that HDMI cable where I know one is because I bought one for the church just a couple weeks ago. And so I go straight back there, and when I get back there to the area where the HDMI cables are, I realized I was out of breath. I hadn't run back there, but I was a little bit out of breath. And um, so I'm standing there in Walmart, and I'm looking around, and the HDMI cables are gone. They're sold out, like all of them. And so I was lied to by the app. I was feeling a little bit nervous. I'm looking around. There's some people wearing masks. Some people weren't wearing masks. But all of a sudden, I realized every single one of the people in this store is my biological enemy. And when they got near me, not only was I a little bit embarrassed because I was wearing a mask, but they weren't wearing a mask. And so everything they exhaled was entering the airspace around me. And so I would give them like 18 feet of space and I'd let them walk past me, and then I'd go back, and and I decided I wanted to look at the TVs, and I tried to look at the TVs, but I just couldn't get my brain around looking at anything else because I was in what felt like a quarantine zone altogether. And I realized I wasn't out of breath. I was experiencing anxiety. I was a little bit shaky. My nerves were on edge. Everybody's my enemy. I'm breathing a little bit heavy, and I realized it was anxiety. Now listen, I'm not an expert in anxiety, 
but I do have some experience. You see, Walmart wasn't my first experience with anxiety. I've never had what you might call an anxiety attack. I've never had, to my knowledge, what you might call a panic attack. But when I was in Chicago, I was the pastor of a church there, and we were going through some difficult times. And I noticed, when I was working in my office, kind of a growing tightness, what I experienced as a tightness in my throat. And I didn't think too much of it, but I tried a number of things to try to solve the problem. Sometimes it was worse when I would drink coffee, so I cut back on the coffee, or when I would drink tea, and so I would cut back on the tea. Sometimes tea with milk would do it. Sometimes tea with sugar would do it. Sometimes tea, nothing at all would do it. And I was nervous a little bit about it, and so I started trying to do some exercises that were different, and I changed the way I ate. I even went to a doctor. I had a chest x-ray done. They even did what they call a pulmonary function test to see if I had asthma or something else. And it wasn't just in my throat. It was kind of in my upper lungs area for a little bit. And they didn't find anything. Nothing was wrong with me. I was totally normal, at least according to the medical tests, of course. But then we moved to Lafayette. And moving to Lafayette, the same thing happened. I would get that little tightness of some kind in the lower neck, upper portion of my chest, and, and I was a little bit nervous. It would happen periodically, and then, but in Lafayette, something additional happened. I would get a skipped heartbeat every now and then. Like, it would feel like my heart had beat a little bit too early and then decided it could take a rest for a period of time, and then it would give a stronger thump later. And so I went to the doctor. I mean, I tried all kinds of things at home. Caffeine adjustment, food adjustment, exercise adjustment, sugar intake adjustment. I I went to the doctor and he said, well, I don't know what's going on. Let's do another x-ray. So they did another x-ray and then they did a stress test this time, complete with an echocardiogram. He gave me a heart monitor to wear for a couple days. And after none of the information came back conclusive, eventually one day I even went to the emergency room. And there in the emergency room, they gave me a CAT scan and determined, you're fine. Nothing's wrong with you. So I went to see a specialist. And the specialist diagnosed me as having something that's called a PVC, a a preventricular contraction where it's like your heart beat too quickly and then it skips a beat, exactly what I was experiencing. He says, it's benign, people don't die from this thing, but if it gets bad, we can always give you some medicine. And I said, well, I'll try some medicine. So he gave me some medicine. Turns out the medicine didn't help me all that much at the dose I was taking, but what did eventually kind of help me is vitamin B. And so what you don't know is that every Sunday for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, I've been taking vitamin B on Sunday morning because if I don't, on Sunday morning, my heart will beat kind of funny while I'm standing on stage teaching. But for whatever reason, the vitamin B has been helping me. And so every time I go to the doctor, they say, you still taking the vitamin B? I'm like, yeah, I'm taking the vitamin B. This last fall, my face started tingling. It actually happened during the summer while we were on vacation, so I thought it wasn't that weird, but during the fall, it was tingling in like specific ways, and I've got friends who've got MS, I've got a friend who died of a brain tumor, and so I was getting really nervous, so I went to the doctor again, and the doctor was like, facial tingling, that's a weird thing, I'm going to send you to a neurologist, and I'm sitting there in the office with the neurologist. And he says to me these words after I told him everything I just told you. 
He said, are you under any stress? <laughs> and I said, of course, of course. I'm a pastor of a local church in town, and it's the month before Christmas. Our church owes thousands of dollars in taxes. Our attendance has gone down. Our finances have gone down. People I loved have recently left the church. People I love are thinking of leaving the church. No, I'm not under any stress at all. And he looked at me and he said, well, I could test you for MS. I could give you an MRI or it could be anxiety. And I said, well, how much does that cost? Listen, I'd love to have another MRI, but I had an MRI with my back. I think they're cool and I'd love to get it again. I'd love to see my brain on those MRI brain scans, but I don't want to spend another $6,000 on that. So I opted to try the medicine, which costs like three bucks a month. And so yes, let it be known, I am on anxiety medication. And it has solved all my problems. Not really. Um, I mean, it's made my symptoms a little bit less, I think. I've met with him for some follow-up, and we talked about it. I told a doctor friend of mine that I was on this particular medication. I told him how much I was taking, and he said, what are you nuts? You should be taking 15 times that amount. And I said, you're nuts. But yes, he recommended that. Anyway, I'm still on the moder moderately, really low dose. And I went for about six months with some really reduced symptoms until the coronavirus thing hit. And this last week, I'm in Walmart, and I'm thinking to myself, this is anxiety. Listen, anxiety is different from every other emotion that we face. I mean, it's got some similarities with anger that hopefully I'll be able to talk about some future time. But anxiety is different from most every emotion we face. Because, see, fear is a top-of-mind emotion. When you are afraid of something, you're aware that you're afraid of something, and you know what you're afraid of. Fear is kind of a top-of-mind emotion. Um, worry can be a top-of-mind emotion. You know what you're worried about. But anxiety, at least the way I'm talking about it today, on that borderline between what is clinical and what is just emotional, anxiety is hidden. Anxiety is below the surface. Anxiety is emotional and it's also biochemical. It's unconscious. It's the sense that something's wrong, but I don't know what it is. I'm claiming today that anxiety is spiritual and emotional and medical all at the same time. And you've got a portion of anxiety touching each one of those areas in your life. How we feel emotionally does affect our biochemistry. How we feel spiritually does affect our emotions. And how we relate to these things makes a difference. So before we dig into the scriptural response to all this, I want to help you diagnose yourself just a little bit. Here are three signs of anxiety. Number one, biology. Something happens in your body. Like me, when I was at Walmart, my breathing was a little bit different. I was a little bit tenser. I was a little bit on edge is the right kind of word for it. It's similar to exercise. You feel a bit winded. Your heart is pumping just a little bit more. And when you feel that biological, physical feeling, you need to pause and say, wait a minute, this could be anxiety because... The second thing you can use to diagnose yourself is inappropriate outbursts. 
Have you ever been in one of those moments where you said to your friend, hey, could you pass me the fries? And next thing you know, they're biting your head off because of something that you said and you didn't realize that it would possibly trigger them that way, but it triggered them that way. And then all of a sudden now you've got another problem to deal with. Inappropriate responses to a trigger, to a stimulus, is a sign of something lingering below the surface. And quite frequently, anxiety is that thing that's lingering below the surface. It's something underneath there that I don't want to acknowledge, I don't want to bring up to the surface, because if I face it face to face, then dealing with it is something I don't know how to do. And so I just leave it buried there until some trigger happens and I spurt my response. I just have the inappropriate outburst. I'm projecting onto you the problem I'm feeling in my heart. And quite frequently, anxiety is the problem deep down that then causes the inappropriate outbursts. Maybe you've experienced some of those outbursts this last week in yourself or in the people around you or people that you know or care about. Anxiety underneath all that can cause it. So the first thing is your biology. What kind of physical feelings am I feeling? The second thing is inappropriate outbursts. Have I been guilty of any of those? Am I projecting my inner feelings on someone else? But then there's the third thing. The third symptom of anxiety is more controlling behaviors. Behaviors that you do because they control your situation. For me, that means more activity. That means I'm doing more things. I spend more time with my computer because I can control my computer. I spend more time producing creative things because I'm in control of my own creativity. My daily videos are, in a sense, coping mechanism for my coronavirus anxiety. But hopefully they're a blessing to you and that they're definitely an encouragement for me too as I make them. But nonetheless, more activity can be a result of more anxiety. I want to take you to some Bible passages today that will give you some perspective. But before I do that, let me just just be really clear. If you have some biochemical problems, see a doctor. If you have some life-hindering problems, see a counselor. But make sure in every case of anxiety, you also, first of all, see God. Let me take you to this passage in Luke. In Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, we read a story that I've read to you a couple times before. It's an amazing account. It says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I'm intrigued by that line in there where Martha comes up to Jesus and she says, Lord, did you hear it? Don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? What's interesting to me about that is that two weeks ago, we looked at another verse where some people said to Jesus the same thing. Do you remember? 
It was during the storm. The disciples were in the boat. Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. They woke him up and they said to him, Lord, don't you care? I find it interesting that when I'm experiencing a time of anxiety or some sort of problem, I think the problem is with someone else's level of care, particularly with God's level of care. Here I am dealing with my issues, and sometimes in my weaker moments, it will be, God, don't you care that I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing? God, don't you care that I'm going through what I'm going through? God, don't you care that I'm about ready to drown underneath all of this? God, don't you care that I'm doing this by myself and no one is helping me? God, don't you care? It doesn't matter how you finish that sentence. It's the first half of the sentence that doesn't make any sense when you really take time to think about it. The problem we think is with God's level of concern for us. When the truth is, the problem is with our level of concern for the stuff around us, for the circumstances we're in. See, the text tells us that Martha was distracted. You see verse 40? The text tells us that Martha was distracted by all the preparations. That's almost like last week when Peter was distracted by the wind and the waves. But Jesus didn't blame Peter from being distracted, and he doesn't blame Martha for being distracted. Look at what Jesus says to Martha. He says, you are worried and upset about many things. See, she was distracted, the text tells us, but Jesus sees through the distraction to find out that what's really going on is that she's worried and upset about many things. Now, I don't know if Martha's worry was like our worry. I don't know if her worry was like our anxiety. I don't know if her upset was like our anxiety. But I think when Jesus says worried and upset, I think he might be talking about the same kind of anxiety that you and I experience, where it's like there's a whole bunch of stuff, and I have no idea how to process it, and so I doubt God's care, and I point my finger at the other person. I point my finger at the other person. And Jesus says, hang on, Martha. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. The question that people have asked for centuries is, what is the one thing? Jesus, why don't you tell us what the one thing is that's needed? Well, I think the answer most people give is probably the right one. The answer, the one thing that's needed is to spend time with Jesus. See, remember, Martha is preparing food. She's preparing lodging. She's preparing shelter. She's doing the things that everybody would think is needed for Jesus and his followers. There's just one thing they've forgotten. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with a snack. Jesus is the one who walks on water and sleeps in the middle of a storm. With Jesus around... None of the other preparations really need to be made. They can be made. Making those preparations are, I think, uh, an, uh, an expression of worship to Jesus. Jesus, I want to care for you. I want to love you. But you know what else is an expression of worship to Jesus? Sitting down at his feet and listening to him and receiving what he has to say. And Mary has chosen what is better. 
Do you realize in your moments of frantic behavior, your moments of anxiety and worry, you can choose something that's better? Listen, I'm not going to split hairs on the difference between anxiety and worry and all that stuff. I'm just going to focus on one simple truth. When I'm feeling anxious, I blame. When I'm feeling anxious, I blame God. I blame the people around me. But Mary hasn't allowed anxiety to enter her heart at all because she's just with the Savior. How can we have a merry heart? How can we have a merry kind of attitude? How can we become more like Mary? Do we just need to bundle up all of our anxieties and put them on a shelf and point at them and laugh and say, oh, they're so stupid, I don't need those anxieties anymore? Do we need to bundle up all of our anxieties and bury them down deep and say, listen, I'm just going to keep these anxieties below the surface of my life and pretend they're not there? What do we do? What do we do? Well, I could give you a whole lot of self-help kind of speech. But what I'd like to do is give you the words of someone who's way smarter than I am and who has a closer relationship with God than I have ever had. It's the guy that you know as the Apostle Paul, Saul from Tarsus, who wrote a letter as he was preparing to be executed. In Philippians, we find that Paul is in prison and he believes he is going to die or maybe be released. And maybe God will release him because it's important for the Philippians for Paul to make another visit to them. But he could die. He could be executed at any point in time. And if you or me were in Paul's position, if I were in Paul's shoes, I would wake up every single morning with sort of a sense of anxiety. Is today the day I get executed? But Paul doesn't take that approach. Instead, he speaks in the book of Philippians, a book of joy. It's a letter of joy to the people like we've, we've rarely seen. And so at the end, towards the end, he gives a command to joy. Look at this. Chapter 4, verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learned, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Some people have taken this passage where Paul says, Do not be anxious. And they've concluded that it is God's command to you that anxiety is a sin. 
Or they've concluded based on Jesus' statements, do not worry about this, that, or the other thing, for your heavenly Father knows what you need. That if you worry, you are committing a sin. There are people who have said, see, it says right there, if you're feeling anxiety, it's sinful. And then you feel shame. And then you're like, oh my goodness, I'm feeling anxiety. Now I feel so guilty. I feel so shamed. How will I ever get rid of this anxiety? God, what happens if I don't get rid of this anxiety? Will I ever be able to please you again? God, I'm so worried about this fact that I have this anxiety. Oh my goodness, I'm never going to please God ever again. And then you feel anxiety about your anxiety. And then it's anxiety on top of anxiety. And it's anxiety all the way down. Listen, you can't solve your anxiety by worrying about it. You can't solve your anxiety by feeling guilty about it. But Paul actually told us how to solve our anxiety. See, he doesn't say anxiety is a sin. He says, replace it. Replace it with something else. And in this passage, he gives us a number of words that because I know Bob Bades is watching this, I'm going to tell you them all with the letter P at the beginning because he likes it when I do that. So here's the first word, praise. I should have used the word rejoice or thanksgiving, but praise is the word that begins with P. It says right there, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The first and most important thing in Paul's list is praise. What you need to do is if you are worried about something, you need to start praising about something. If you're feeling anxiety about something and you can't pinpoint what the anxiety is, you need to start praising about something. Get your mindset shifted to what is something you can thank God for? What is something you can praise God for? What is something you can rejoice in? If it takes you all the way back to that moment where you first became a follower of Jesus or all the way back to that moment in church when you sang that song and it meant that thing to you, whatever it is, spend a moment in praise. And spend a moment in thanksgiving. But that should lead you directly into the next thing, prayer. Paul says, don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I don't have to draw a line between prayer and petition for you. I don't have to help you understand what's the difference between a prayer and a thanksgiving and a petition. I don't have to do that. All I have to do is say what Paul said in the big terms. If you're worried, bring it to God. Tell God what's on your mind. Tell God what's on your heart. Dump it all out before him. And say, God, I'm going to praise you for that one thing I can praise you for. And I'm going to dump at your feet all the other stuff. I'm just going to present it to God. I'm not going to leave it there, though. Because, see, Paul also says this. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. How many times do I let my thoughts wander to all the other things? The things that are bad, scary, worrying. The things that are dangerous. Oh, I let myself worry about all those other things. And Paul says, hang on a second. Just give yourself a little bit of, here's the P word, perspective. Just give yourself a little bit of perspective by letting your mind be filled with some good things. Let your mind be filled with things that are true and admirable and praiseworthy. 
Find your favorite passage of scripture. Listen to your favorite song. If you can't get a laugh or a joy from something in God's word, then I will point you to a couple passages. Just text me and I'll send you some funny ones. But here's the deal. Find something that's admirable or excellent or praiseworthy and give yourself some perspective that's bigger than the tiny frustrations and the tiny problems that you have. Give yourself opportunity and time to laugh, to find some joy, and to say what is true, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. I'm going to think about such things. Okay, I've got one last word to give you. One last word beginning with P, and it was verse 9. Paul said, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. See, ultimately, Dealing with anxiety or other things in our lives that are big, like this, doesn't happen all at once. You don't solve your problems all at once. When the doctor first gave me some medicine, he said, I want you to take this every single day for six months and then come back and talk to us. Actually, I think he said six weeks. But it's the, the, the point is the same. He said, I want you to take this every single day for six weeks And then come back and talk to me. I had to practice. I had to do that same thing every single day for six weeks to then report on if it had made any sort of difference. Listen, I'm giving you a prescription to practice these things. Spend some time in praise. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time giving yourself some perspective and practice it all the time. Practice it daily. Make it a habit in your life. And then the promise is absolutely clear. At the end of verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The end of verse 9. And the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God will enter your mind and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, God is already with you. You're just not aware of Him as a God of peace until you get yourself in this kind of mindset. You're going to be dealing with anxiety. Some of you are going to be on medication. I am. Some of you won't be on medication. That's fine. Some of you will hear a thing that's going on in our world and it will raise your anxiety level. Some of you will hear something else that's going on in the world and it'll lower your anxiety level. You're going to deal with all kinds of stuff, including this week. But the daily practice of praise, prayer, perspective, and just repeating it over and over again is going to lead to you seeing God as the God of peace who is with you and who is placing his unfathomable peace in your heart and in your mind because of Jesus. I find that when I come to this place where I'm at my wit's end, the most important thing I can do is get my heart and my mind wrapped all over again around Jesus, who He is, how great He is, His supremacy over this world, His sacrificial death for me, His resurrection to prove His victory, and His coming kingdom. His name is the most beautiful name, 
And sometimes I will just find a quiet place for me to sing some worship song to him to get my heart squared away. I hope this next song will bless you that way as it does for me.
Once again, I want to thank you for joining us today. Immediately after this, I'm going to be hosting a Zoom call. I invite you to join us on that. I invite you also to join us by Facebook for communication this week. Let us know that you are still out there. And let's continue to be a family, even though it's mostly digital these days. I've got a final passage I want to read you. This is the same passage we read before, but just hear it again. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I hope that you are guarded by God's peace this week and that it all begins today. God bless you.